with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Grace and peace to you on this Reformation Sunday on behalf of Dean Robert Allen Hill and the Marsh Chapel community. As we are a gathered congregation, present at 735 Commonwealth Avenue in the city of Boston, present in New England through National Public Radio, WBUR 90.9 FM, and present through internet and podcast around the globe, live at WBUR.org. Dean Hill sends his greetings from New York, where he is spending some time with family. We look forward to his return to us next week on November 4th. I'm Victoria Hart Gaskell, an elder in the New England Conference of the United Methodist Church, a chapel associate here at Marsh, and the preacher of the day. Joining me in reading the service are Reverend Soren Hessler with Ms. Kendall Valentine as our cantor for the psalm. Our prayers of the people are offered on our behalf by Chapel Associate for Lutheran Students, Ms. Jessica Chica. As Ministry Associate, Mr. Nico Romain Stout also offers our offertory prayer. Our musicians this morning are the Marsh Chapel Choir under the direction of our own Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett and our own Mr. Justin Thomas Blackwell is our organist. As always, we encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your selection of personal forms of ministry, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. So now, beloved, rise up now and at the invitation throughout this service, in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, in the praise and worship of God.
Dearly beloved, let us pray together. Almighty and everlasting God, increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you promise. Make us love what you command. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. During the singing of the Kyrie, we are invited to repent and confess all those things which separate us from God, from ourselves, and from our neighbor. Hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 7 through 9. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, Save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor, together. A great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. The word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God.
please join me in the reading of the Psalm 126 with the Antiphon. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bear the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. rise for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Glory to you, O Lord. <clears throat> they came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bar Timaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, 
son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Many of us, after we've been kicking around in the Christian faith for a while, have a little list of sayings we just wish that Jesus had not said. Or if he were going to say them, we wish he'd included an indestructible set of footnotes, a bibliography, a YouTube video to get the body language, so there would be no confusion at all what he actually meant. Your faith has made you well is one of those sayings for me. I served as a chaplain in both an acute chronic and tertiary care hospital and a mental health facility here in Boston. One of the hardest parts of the work was when faithful Christians of many years standing would recount their own struggle as they quoted Bartimaeus' story to themselves and as they had his story quoted to him. They recounted their frustration as they told themselves and as their friends told them to just pray more or just pray different or just have more faith. They would wonder why their faith wasn't enough, why God did not heal their cancer or their blindness or their bipolar condition. They felt that they were at fault, that they were to blame, that their condition continued. Their spiritual distress was as difficult for them as their physical or mental challenge. And so the particular story of Bartimaeus' particular healing, taken out of context and universalized, became a stick with which to beat those who already suffered. I don't think it's the purpose of this story to cause more suffering. So what is the context and the specificity that might give another interpretation of this faith healing? The Gospel of Mark has been called a gospel of conflict. The conflicts escalate from Jesus' preaching and manifestation of the kingdom of God in the local settings of Galilee to his increasing conflicts with the religious authorities and the imperial overlords that end in Jerusalem. 
Jesus' teaching and acts of power are presented in the gospel as a renewal of the people of Israel. They address the social, political, economic, and even physiological aspects of life for a people and a land subjugated by the collusion of religious authority with empire. Along the way, there is also increasing conflict between Jesus and his disciples. As our readings in Mark over the last few weeks have shown, the disciples continually fail to understand what Jesus teaches and what he does. Their discomfort and quarrels with both Jesus and each other increase as Jesus lead them to Jerusalem. They refuse to accept his teaching that he must be rejected, suffer, and die before he is raised again. The story of Bartimaeus comes at the end of the part of the gospel in which the disciples' conflicts with Jesus are made plain. It brackets this section along with the healing of another blind man in chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. Most Markan scholars agree that here the author of the gospel contrasts the restoration of the two men's sight with the continued blindness of the disciples as to who Jesus is and what he does. Bartimaeus himself is not just blind, he is a beggar. In the culture of the time, both physical impairment and poverty were often considered to be signs of God's disfavor. But Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, though physically blind, has insight. He cries out to Jesus as son of David, the one who was widely expected to restore the fortunes of Israel as king. Bartimaeus is also not cowed by his marginal status. He shouts out to Jesus. The people around him sternly tell him to be quiet. He shouts even louder. Jesus, for his part, stops and calls for Bartimaeus to come to him. Now the people around him are all encouragement. So Bartimaeus, blind as he is, throws off what impediments he can, springs up, and comes to Jesus. Jesus then does not make things up. He asks Bartimaeus what he wants from him. Bartimaeus, again showing insight, names Jesus as his teacher and asks that Jesus let him see again. Jesus then tells Bartimaeus that his faith has made him well. Immediately, Bartimaeus regains his physical sight and follows Jesus along the way. Bartimaeus, the physically blind beggar, sees with spiritual insight, whereas the physically sighted, physically sighted disciples remain spiritually blind. Bartimaeus, again in contrast to the disciples, allows himself to be taught by Jesus so that he exchanges his old suppression for the new kingdom of God present in the midst of the people. He also is taught by Jesus so that he follows Jesus along the way, not just the way of faith, but also immediately on the way to Jerusalem, where Jesus will end not as an earthly king, 
but as a physically broken and executed political criminal. If Bartimaeus' faith has healed his physical sight, the healing of his physical sight heals his faith also, as he is given a new way of understanding his life and recognizes Jesus for who he truly is and what his mercy truly means. Sharon V. Betcher is a theologian and a disability activist. At the age of 37, ordained, married with a child, teaching in university, she tripped, she fell, and she injured her leg. Her leg became infected, and to save her life, it was amputated. In her book, Spirit and the Politics of Disablement, she points out that with the removal of her leg, she will never be whole in the sense of normal ever again in this life. She describes the challenges brought by her literal fall from culture and religious, cultural and religious ideals of normalcy and physical perfection the challenges that are harder to bear than her physical disability itself. And she describes the challenges that stories like the Bartimaeus story posed and still pose for her and for many other people of faith. Those who, like St. Paul, receive no as the answer to prayers for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. Betcher notes that the healing stories were told as witness to the visitation of the kingdom of God over against the occupation of the Roman Empire with its elitist rule, foreign occupation, heavy taxation for war and empire building, and the dislocation it brought to people and to the land. Reading or hearing these stories, early believers were challenged still to believe in wonder. They were invited to fall in love with the world again. As she writes, they could again take joy in a life from which pain cannot be cut away. Miracles, Sharon writes, get below or outside our infrastructure of tacit knowledge and may invigorate ways of thinking may serve to break persons out of old patterns of thought. Jesus' compassion, as it is free from pity, disgust, avoidance, or the assumption that he would know what Bartimaeus would want from him. Jesus' compassion encourages Bartimaeus to chart a different course, encourages him to increase his faith, that faith healed and justified in Jesus' acceptance of him, as he was, and now as he is Jesus' follower on the way. Jesus' compassion upends the normal order of things in which the blind do not see, and so often are not seen. Paul Farmer, the founder of Partners in Health, writes in his book, Pathologies of Power, to explain suffering, one must embed individual biography 
in the larger matrix of culture, history, and political economy. As social, force, as social forces structure risk for most forms of extreme suffering. Social forces ranging from poverty to racism become embodied as individual experience, translated into personal distress and disease. In our culture, the quest for physical perfection is also one of those social forces. In our fascination with extreme makeovers of all kinds, we forget the economic, political, and cultural forces at work behind the scenes. Dominique Mochianu, at 14, was the youngest member of the 1996 United States Women's Olympics gymnastics team, the only American women's team to take gold at the Olympics. In her riveting memoir, Off Balance, she describes the behind-the-scenes cost of her physical perfection and agility. Years of emotional and physical abuse from her trainers, family discord and deceit, and physical injury and pain. Behind the Olympic gold and the national glory was a young girl in great personal distress. Even though her faith in her dream of Olympic gold granted her physical perfection, for a long time, Dominique was not well. Ironically, or perhaps miraculously, it is the discovery of a sister, born without legs, who was given away at birth, who also became a competitive athlete and performer. It is this sister who is of great support to Dominique in her own healing. So, where does all this leave us here this morning? Many of us bearing thorns in our flesh, none of us getting any younger, and all of us living in a world increasingly toxic to healthy living. At the very least, we may join with Philo of Alexandria, who wrote, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. We may also affirm that whatever we carry, it is not the whole of who we are. As a woman who became blind as a result of diabetes complications once told me, I'm just blind. I still love to hike, I love to sing, to play the piano, to dance to get together with friends and family. I still have my faith, even more since God has brought me through so much. I feel very well. So, faith healing. Sometimes our faith does heal us. Sometimes faith is not the issue in our human condition. And sometimes it's just that the answer is no. But always, faith healing. The healing of our faith is possible. It may not come easy. It is a great challenge for us, especially in our culture of denial and suppression, to learn to live with pain and loss of any kind. 
we do experience the diseases of empire and of the corporate empire building of globalization, war, pollution, economic disparity, consumerism, perfectionism, seemingly impersonal forces that become very personal, often to our great distress. Yet God wills to meet us where we are on the road. God wills to meet us exactly as we are on the road, to help us chart a different course, to find a new community of love and inclusion, and to increase our faith as we follow along the way. As Sharon Betcher invites us to consider we are offered a life not of neither tragedy nor triumph, but we are offered a life of trust. Trust that expects wonder and the expected and unexpected presence of God, even as Mother Teresa of Calcutta notes, in distressing disguise. We are invited to a life of trust that allows us to fall in love with the world again. A life of trust that even in a world in which pain cannot be cut away, we can still take joy. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our second hymn this morning has changed. It is now hymn number 454, Open My Eyes.
time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer. Lord, lead me, Lord. Prayers of the people this week are adapted from the Augsburg Fortress Celebrate series. Seeking the wisdom of God's way, let us pray for the church, the world, and all those in need, saying, Lord, hear our prayer. For the church, for its growth in the truth of Jesus Christ, and for its ongoing renewal in the spirit, we pray, Lord, hear our prayer. For the prophets in our land who call us to an equitable sharing of our resources, awareness of our impact on the earth, and steadfast care of the weakest members of society, we pray. Lord, hear our prayer. For all who work in places marked by racial or social conflict, for greater understanding, tolerance, and reconciliation, we pray. Lord, hear our prayer. For those in our congregation who call us to spiritual renewal, faithful learning, and loving service to the poor, we pray, Lord, hear our prayer. For those who suffer with physical or mental illness, anxiety, or loneliness, we pray, Lord, hear our prayer. For all those affected by Hurricane Sandy, especially the people of the Northeast as they prepare for its landfall, that they may be protected, find assistance as needed, and know the presence of your peace, we pray. Lord, hear our prayer. That we may be guided in the examples of Martin Luther and the Reformers, and that despite our differences, we may be unified in faithfulness to the gospel, we pray. Lord, hear our prayer. In thanksgiving for the work and witness of those who founded and sustained this congregation, we pray. Lord, hear our prayer. Receive our prayers, O God, and strengthen us in our desire to speak your truth and serve our brothers and sisters in love through Jesus Christ our Lord. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Good morning. My name is Rachel, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to Marsh Chapel today. We hope that you'll take a moment now to put your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help one another get to know each other better throughout the coming week. Today, we'd like to thank Rabbi Bayo for being here this morning for our book study um, for the discussion on Abraham Joshua Heschel's book, The Sabbath. Um, we would also like to announce that today, the university is celebrating Rabbi Pollock's 70th birthday. Um, the celebration is going from 9.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. and includes lectures, discussions, and other events. So we hope that you'll all take a chance to go over to the Hillel House and um, wish him a happy birthday. For all other upcoming services and activities, we hope you'll keep an eye on our chapel website. And as we come to our time of offering, we'll remind you that you can also donate online through our website, which is bu.edu chapel. Now walk in love as Christ loved us in offering and sacrifice to God.
let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for this day and for the many gifts we have already received. Bless these humble offerings and those who, has, who have given them, that they may be used in service to our community and to our world. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
And now let us go from this place in peace to recognize the God who meets us where we are and as we are on our way, to, to be invited to a life of trust, of wonder, and of peace. In the name of the Trinity of love, one God in perfect community, amen.